Holiday shopping is in full swing with 15 days left to Christmas. Though shoppers got an early start this year on concerns about product availability and, perhaps, a shift away from last-minute, last-ditch shopping. Prices are up, order values are up, discounts are down, and the economy is still strong, even as the Great Resignation continues. In this edition of Commerce Code, loyalty programs, and the 2021 Holiday Shopper with James Berry of Collinson Value Dynamics. Dan Carell here, and this is Commerce Code, brought to you by DCA, the Digital Commerce Alliance. Thanks for joining us for insights into the evolving world of digital commerce. An intense initial reaction to news of the Omicron coronavirus variant settled down this week and markets climbed back toward their November highs. Meanwhile, consumer demand is strong, assisted in part by the growth of buy now, pay later programs. According to Adobe, BNPL-based spending was up 422% and order volume was up 438% in November compared to November 2019. Consumers chose BNPL on 8% of their Cyber Week orders about a third more often than last year, according to Salesforce. Looking to join BNPL in growth, banks are putting big energy into credit card marketing as consumers paid down their credit card balances during the pandemic, cutting into interest revenues. The markets and economic fundamentals may be strong, but consumers remain wary of the overall economy, so credit card marketing might be more uphill than in the past. We're into the core of the Christmas shopping season, and everyone will need to stay agile. It's still 2021 and we don't know what's around the corner. On today's show, we'll dig deeper into the holiday shopper and the performance of loyalty programs with James Berry of Collinson Value Dynamics. James, it is a pleasure to have you join us on the Commerce Code podcast. Where are you joining us from? I'm joining from London today. Normally, I'd be in the office in, in London, but today at home, I'm sure like many others. It's a Friday. It's a good time to be home. Speaking of Fridays, I saw some of your predictions on Black Friday. Things are ever-changing. How did the weekend turn out? Did shoppers use their loyalty programs when they were shopping? I mean, what's your take? Yes, it's clearly always, like many, a key period for us and, and our network of partners, as publishers, merchants, and of course, the customers themselves. So we'll always see a peak at this time of year. But I think this has been one of the most interesting to predict and then watch the outcome of. We work with 25 programs globally, and we saw 10 achieved double-digit growth over the period. But I think it's fair to say that that wasn't necessarily followed across the industry. And I think we're seeing and hearing very similar trends. Black Friday was perhaps flat or even slightly down on previous years. However, I think the major difference in this year is that we saw a longer tail of performance over November itself and actually over the month as a whole across all things globally. So less concentration onto that specific day. I don't know if this is anecdotal or, but on a sample of one, I did a lot of my Christmas shopping in November and I've got to tell you, I, that's not normal for me. I think it's a combination of things. It was the retailers and merchants starting some of their promotional periods earlier. I think there was obviously in the press, there'd been a lot of news about supply chain and pressures on some of the logistics into there as well. Potentially slower delivery times that had people out shopping earlier. So I think there's a combination of things that drove that, but it was definitely a trend we saw in multiple markets. 
You know, normally, of course, we'd ask what was different this year from last year or previous years. In this kind of a time, it feels ridiculous to ask that question, but I'm still going to ask it. If you had to pick, I guess, one or two consequential things that are different from past years, what do you think matters most? So there'd obviously been a big drop in international travel. And what we then saw was spend across very different lifestyle dynamics than we'd had in the past. Early increases in home office equipment, electricals in general, and then reduced spend in leisure and dining. I think the focus became much more on convenience and functionality. We then saw travel bouncing back, and it was difficult to predict whether that would start to cause impacts on consumer spending generally as they opened back up to more luxurious or frivolous spending. It didn't have that impact. I think we did certainly see a return to what we said, normal trend behavior. I think the interesting piece from this year, though, average order value has been up, and that's been consistently up in most regions that we work in. So as a global average, the average order value was 4% up overall. Interestingly, in the US, the market we saw the biggest peak, that was up 20% year on year as an average order value. I think partly that can be attributed to a combination of less discounts, but also continued pressure on prices, higher inflation, and also again, back to that demand on limited inventory, limited stock. I wanted to jump to the future and you mentioned it. So thinking about 2022 and then the next few years, what do you think are the implications of some of the trends that you see right now for loyalty programs in particular, and then, you know, merchants and even for consumers? As I said, I think because we've seen change of it being all about the four-day period and start to evolve into the wider, longer-tail effect of, of an overall discount or offer-led period across November, we've seen that emerging from multiple markets as well. So it's really interesting to see how those things move across markets. Obviously, Black Friday started in the US, and then we saw that move into UK and beyond, and it's now a global proposition. It's pretty much every market that we work in. I think coming the other way, we're seeing Singles Day. So the 11th of the 11th started in China and spread across Asia very quickly. And we're now seeing that also come into multiple markets and started to become a much more major event. And I think that as well is also starting to have an influence on the blurring and the blending of that performance over a period of time. I think the loyalty programs that we work with and the, just the nature of particularly travel-based loyalty members is they're very global by nature. So we do get quite an early insight and snapshot of those types of trends and how they start to move across multiple markets. You mentioned your base of travelers as key customers, and I know that you have better visibility than just about anyone into the mind of the traveler and the activity of the traveler. So what kind of travel is taking place and what are your thoughts on business and leisure travel going forward? Unfortunately, I probably would have answered this question very differently just a week ago. So it's still very much a volatile market. And as particularly things like new variants are coming through, we do see an immediate impact back into those travel trends. I think it's likely that the type of travel is split into three key types. So obviously the business travel and people were keen to get back to that as soon as possible. The second one is then essential personal travel. So that's visiting friends and family that hadn't been seen for a long time. And I guess across those two segments, there were people who were prepared prepared to do that, irrespective of the hoops and the various paperwork they had to get through to do that. I guess the final piece then is the more traditional vacation traveller, so the summer travellers we'd call it, and that is people who perhaps more forward-looking. That was obviously a slightly different booking trend where people were booking in advance, and it really split between those two things. So the main focus in the short-term drive and really short-term booking was in those two areas, and I guess we've seen a downturn in that immediate booking trend, and we expect that volatility will continue for some time. 
We are still seeing the forward-looking bookings, though, and that really did continue even through November. I think there is still this hope that this is a potential short blip in that trend, and I think that will open up more. We would normally expect peak booking in January. That may be slightly delayed as confidence returns to those who are perhaps more cautious and not quite so ready or keen to jump through all of those hoops. The immediate bounce back and the immediate changes that we see gives us hope that that will be relatively short-term impact. It changes daily and almost hourly in terms of the information as it comes out. So understandable, volatile is the word. I'm interested in conversations about personalization. And I guess I can contextualize it by saying if we now live in a world of high volatility, very different reactions from different people in terms of how they want to respond to the current situation, I think. And so it seems like there's a lot of promise in data and personalization. I'd love to just hear a little about how the value dynamics is thinking about data, how it's being used uh, and where that's headed. Sure. I think there are two aspects to this. First one is how do we deliver true personalization and relevance on a one-to-one basis using that data? And I also think it's about the macro data trends to some of the things that, that we can see and spot coming in the longer term and how we ensure we maximize the insight across the multiple platforms, particularly that we have globally. I guess personalization has been a buzzword for many, many years. And for us, it's about delivering relevance. Personalization is a way of doing that. And it's been increasingly possible to do that through AI and machine learning. So having the benefit of a very large audience who spend activity, we're going to anonymize and then map to modeling that informs what consumers are most likely to interact and engage with, even if they've not previously spent through our network, is very powerful. It's a big focus for us. For some programs we work with, we now see up to 30% of all transactions being the result of a targeted recommendation. And then I think there's the broader view that the data gives us. Being able to use that data, we have to inform wider trends and predict what's coming and or react quickly to the changing market conditions. And it was us all to be nimble and agile for us and everyone involved in executing and delivering and optimizing performance through this type of channel. Communication and the relevance and timeliness of that communication is key. And we use data a lot to inform that. And that's going to be a big area for us moving forwards as well. From where you sit, James, how much better will personalization be in a few years? Which is another way of saying, you know, are we early in this process? Is it going to be a lot better? Is it going to be amazing in a few years in terms of the data we're able to use and how we're able to serve customers better with it? It's being powered by two different areas. One is the consumer's power to decide how their data is used, having more control over their data, and therefore a comfort level with the more that's provided and the more comfortable they are with that being used in the right way, the more that will open up. And I think we'll see that more and more from a consumer lens. Then, of course, it's the possibilities of technology that sits behind that and being able to make that an ever-enhancing, an ever-enriching model that becomes more intelligent as it goes. In machine learning and automated intelligence that sits behind it is critical to finding that right balance between the two. And we see this, you go too far with the technology piece and it feels uncomfortable to the consumer, that's when they turn away from it. So it's got to be the balance between those two things. So I mentioned that a lot of my Christmas shopping happened in November. That is not typical for me. I had previously operated on the premise that um, December 24th was when I had the maximum amount of information about what my wife might want for Christmas, right? And so that that was the optimal time. Might have been wrong about that, but I think some other people do this too. What is your favorite last minute gift shopping spot? 
I'm with you, Dan. I'm definitely a notorious last minute shopper. I think there's that added jeopardy and slight panic, but also real satisfaction as you tick off the last of your lists. And I think you do get a real sense of connection with fellow shoppers as well, who you can see it on their faces. They're all in the same position as us. So for me, it's definitely a department store, or local specialist shop or boutique as my go-to gift shopping spot. I think this year, I'm actually due to visit my local mall environment on the 20th of December for my COVID booster jab. So whilst that means I'll be slightly earlier than usual, I've earmarked that as my day to combine it with my final bits of shopping. And obviously, it hopefully means I get to spend Christmas safely with my family of all generations, which I guess for many people is the focus for this year. Sounds like a perfectly productive day and gosh, five days early. I, 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 commend, <laughs> I commend you on the forethought. James, it's been a pleasure to have you with us again and grateful for your insights and observations and have just a wonderful holiday season. Great. And you, Dan. Thanks very much. Coming right up, closing thoughts on the past and future of holiday shopping. The commercial aspect of Christmas, like all things human, changes. And like most traditions, it has changed faster than we appreciate. The holiday traditions now practiced almost universally, Christmas trees and their familiar decorative style, Christmas cards, gifts under the tree, were basically all invented in the 1870s. It was a period of relative peace and growth after the Civil War in the U.S. when quaint German immigrant traditions collided with an American consumer market on rapid boil. For a point of reference, Chicago, where a lot of those German immigrants were headed, grew from 100,000 in 1860 to 500,000 population in 1880. The mix of new ideas and old traditions led to the explosion of one of the first Christmas retail phenomena, the Christmas card. In 1882, a U.S. postal official complained, I thought last year would be the end of the Christmas card mania, but I don't think so now. Four years ago, a Christmas card was a rare thing. The public then got the mania, and the business seems to be getting larger every year. His letter carriers groaned under the weight, and Louis Prang, the German immigrant who popularized and manufactured the Christmas card, got very rich. What started in the 1870s as a tradition of decorating the newfangled Christmas tree and giving the newly invented Christmas card as a gift of small and affordable artwork soon became the tradition of more lavish gift-giving in the 1880s. There has been a lot of evolution and change in the 130 years since, but that's when it all got started in earnest. Speaking of earnest, Hemingway wrote that bankruptcy happens in two ways, gradually, then suddenly. That's always the way with transformative change. It doesn't happen in even increments. Transformation is a rush of activity. And in hindsight, we can see that that transformation was preceded by some gradual, almost invisible changes that paved the way. American commercial Christmas was transformed in the 1870s and 1880s, and in a sense, it's been pretty stable since then. The basic mix of sparkly winter aesthetics and retail commerce has gone global, and of course has incorporated other holiday traditions along the way. In the midst of that relative stability, it's always worth looking for the next area of transformative change. I think our commercial Christmas traditions are generally safe. I predict for at least another century or two, given that people like giving and receiving gifts, and look, Christmas trees smell really good. But in 2021, it feels like the economic, the retail aspects of Christmas are all up for grabs. As you look at this December 2021, I'd say be on the lookout for what is ready to give way to something new. What's the thing we'll take for granted in 2025 that you just heard about in November? In Hemingway's terms, 
It seems to me that the consumer experience of Christmas is ready for some suddenly changes. To find out more about the latest trends in digital commerce and digital advertising, check out our website, www.digcomall.org. That's www.digcomall.org. For the Digital Commerce Alliance, take care of yourself and take care of each other. God bless you and happy holidays. This is Dan Carell, signing off.